Good morning, everybody. My name is David Hershey. I am the uh, children's ministry director here at Koinos, and I'm going to make this a little taller because I am not a child myself. All right, so thank you all for being here if you are visiting with us, or even if you're a regular attender and you're here, thank you also. And uh, what I want to do first is uh, give a big thank you to Carmen Carpenter because uh, she has been faithfully meeting with the children and going over the songs since, I think, October. So let's give one more round of applause for her and for the kids. Uh, the next thing I want to do is, uh, so kids, you're obviously hanging out in here with us this morning. Uh, if you look around you, though, under your seats, there should be some construction paper and crayons. So I'm going to invite you. You have about 20 minutes. So if you want to, you can draw a picture and kind of time it out to make the kind of picture you would want to make in 20 minutes. My prompt, I'll give you a couple things to think about. You could draw... Uh, simply what the magical season of Christmas means to you. You can get, uh, you can draw what uh, does it look like since Christmas is the story of uh, hope coming into the world, of the light shining in the darkness. What do you think it looks like when kind of good wins, when the bad guys lose, when the light shines in the darkness? Again, take your time. And adults, if it helps, um, you're welcome also. If there's, let the kids have the first dibs. There's some extra paper in the back, I think. But if you want to... Uh, be creative, that's great. And then the last thing I'm going to do before I share is I'm going to pass the offering plates. So yeah, just, you guys can pass them. Good job. Uh, so if, uh, if you would like to donate to the work here at Coinos, uh, you are more than welcome to do that uh, if you so choose. So when I was growing up uh, in the church I went to as a kid, I recall that we had a, a church library. And from time to time, I would go into the library and peruse the books. Most of the time, there was nothing that interested me. But I distinctly remember one morning when I, I saw this book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And something about this book just grabbed my attention. I took it with me into the service, and I don't remember what else happened that morning because I ignored everything around me, and I read that book. And from that moment on, I loved the Chronicles of Narnia. There's seven books in the series total. I've been encouraging my daughter to read them. I think I read the first two or three to her, and I'm hoping she reads them, because when I read these stories of a magical world that was accessed through a wardrobe or like a closet, I felt like I was taken away to a different world. I wanted to go to Narnia. It caught my imagination. Shortly after that, or maybe around the same time, I first uh, saw the Star Wars movies. So back in the mid-90s, there was only three. But it wasn't just the movies that, like Narnia, caught my imagination. I was a pretty nerdy guy, and unless you were also a nerdy teenager in the 90s, you may not know that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of books released in the Star Wars universe. So we could sit and have a conversation of, like, all the things that happened in the fictional story after Return of the Jedi for like decades, and I spent probably too much time in my teenage years just living in that fictional universe. When Disney bought Star Wars a couple years ago, uh, they kind of 
excised all those stories because they wanted to make their own stories and make a lot of movies that we all fork over our money to go see. But Disney cannot, as of yet, get rid of my memories of just enjoying uh, all those stories. For me as a kid, I loved the imaginative world of Narnia. I loved the imaginative world of Star Wars, and I could probably name others. But at the same time, I have to share that something in me was embarrassed about that. I remember when I would read these Star Wars books, I would kind of do it like not at school or a little bit secretly because it wasn't like if you wanted to be one of the cool kids, you were reading about like all the stories in the Star Wars universe. And I kind of just wanted to blend in and not have people notice me. So I was a little bit embarrassed that I was reading these stories. And then when I got a little bit older, when I kind of moved past any sort of embarrassment, uh, into my maybe early 20s, I thought that fantasy stories were something for kids. So I wasn't necessarily embarrassed that I liked these stories anymore. I just thought that as a sort of mature, self-respecting adult, wanting to cast myself as an educated person, I should read the classics or philosophy or theology or history books or whatever. And I, to this day, enjoy reading such books. But it's only been in the last couple of years where I've kind of unapologetically returned to reading fantasy stories. I uh, discovered a quote by C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia stories. He also wrote lots of other things. And he has this quote in one of his essays talking about the kind of stories that we enjoy reading and listening to. He says, Young things ought to want to grow, but to carry on into middle life or even into early manhood, this concern about being an adult is a mark of a really arrested development. When I was 10, I read fairy tales in secret and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I am 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put childish things behind me, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. When I first read that, I felt like that quote explained my own experience. When I, for me, it was more when I was 15, I read these stories in secret. And now that I'm approaching 40, I read them openly because I enjoy them. But if you've been paying attention in our world, liking fantasy stories is not this sort of countercultural. It's, it's very mainstream to enjoy fantasy stories. Just look at Star Wars this past weekend. People flock to the latest comic book movie, Star Wars movie. We fork over billions and billions of dollars to be entertained by these stories. And as someone who remembers liking stories like this when it wasn't mainstream, and now it is, and I even go to the local library with my kids and look at the children's section there and see just book upon book upon book that I'm like, where were these books when I was younger? Why has this become something that's so mainstream? And there's probably a lot of reasons we could discuss, but I think that the one, and this is probably going to sound very obvious to us, why these things are so popular, is simply because even adults, if we're honest, we love these imaginative stories. They're good stories that catch our heart, catch our imagination, and take us to just enjoyment and another, another world. We love such stories because they connect with something deep, deep inside of us. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The kids read this earlier uh, in one of their readings. But I'm going to read it again to you. In verse 6 of Isaiah 11, it says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. 
the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. In this passage of scripture, Isaiah is painting this picture of a peaceful future, of something that he was, and not just him, a lot of people were a dreamed of future when there's no more violence and sin and evil and brokenness in the world. And he paints this picture describing animals, predator and prey sitting together in peace. But of course, he's not just talking about animals. His dream is that humans would stop committing violence against one another and that we too would live in peace. The line there at the end then, a little child will lead them. When we read that in the days before Christmas, that obviously takes us right to the story of Jesus's birth. The story of the hero who was born, the long-awaited savior that everybody, the chosen one that people are waiting for, coming into the world in a miraculous fashion, God in the flesh, the hope for peace that everybody was hoping would come is being found in this child. The story of evil forces knowing their days are numbered, targeting this child, sending in attacks, the baby being swept away by his parents, being saved and sheltered away until he can grow up and fulfill his destiny. This story we hear at Christmas, even if we've heard it over and over and over again, it connects with us. It connects deep inside of us as much as any Star Wars or Narnia or fantasy story that we read. And I think that the story connects with us because we want these stories, we want this story to be true. And that's why I love that, just to reference C.S. Lewis one more time, uh, when he was a young man and he wasn't sure what he believed in terms of things like God and religion and whatnot, he actually came to realize that all the stories that he loved to read and all the stories that he was writing, the reason he was drawn to those stories was because something in him pointed, something in him loved them because they pointed to the true story of reality. And in the story of Christmas, all those stories come true. He called the story of Christmas the true myth. It's the one time when all the fantastical imaginative stories are seen happening in actual history. We connect with the Christmas story and all these stories because we're drawn to them because they are the story of us, the story of reality, the story of the actual historical real universe. But if, I think if we're honest as adults, kids in the room might not be here quite yet, but similar to how I once believed that being an adult meant leaving some of these fantasy stories behind and growing up, I think we're just, we struggle as adults to see this story as magical because we have other grown-up ways of thinking that make us unable to see the magic in the story. Because for, for children, Christmas is definitely the magical season. From putting up Christmas lights, Christmas tree, going to see Christmas lights, um, watching the same Christmas movies over and over again, the excitement and the anticipation of Christmas morning and all that entails. Like, my kids can't sleep this month. My son Eli bursts into tears occasionally because it's not Christmas yet. Like, the excitement is so real to them. Sorry, Eli. <laughs> but for us adults, if we're honest, I think, it doesn't always feel like a magical season. 
I've had numerous times in the last couple of weeks when acquaintances or friends say to me the question that I'm sure you've been asked, are you ready for Christmas? And something in the tone of voice makes me wonder, like, are they asking me if I'm ready for some sort of oncoming natural disaster that's going to destroy me, whether I like it or not? Like, what is, because for us adults, Christmas isn't necessarily magical. Christmas is spending too much money on presents that our kids might not appreciate anyway. It's navigating those family conflicts that if we manage to avoid them throughout the rest of the year, we have to see each other at Christmas, right? It's, it's squeezing in concerts and recitals and thank you for being here if you're visiting, things like this, into our already busy schedules. It's cleaning our house so our parents or our in-laws think that we have our lives at least halfway put together and slaving over meals that we might be too tired to enjoy anyway. It doesn't seem very magical. It's hard to experience the magic when we live in the quote-unquote real world. So we flock to the latest Star Wars movie, we flock to the superhero movie, we are transported to a different world and our imagination is caught up. But then we leave the theater or we close the book and we return to the real world. And in a similar way, we come to church on Sunday morning or Christmas Eve, we hear these stories of hope and joy and the magical season, but then we leave church and we go back to a real world that doesn't seem magical at all. A real world not filled with heroes and adventures, but a real world filled with our own failures, broken dreams, broken promises, broken relationships, depressing headlines in the news, and all those sorts of things that are all too familiar. So stories of angels and magic These may be good for kids, but come on, we're adults, right? We live in the real world. I think if we want to, if if any of that resonates with anybody, hopefully I don't just sound like some kind of cynical Scrooge up here. If this resonates with you at all, I think we need to just learn or relearn perhaps to see the world more like children, In Matthew 18, there's the story where the Jesus calls the little child to him and places the child among them. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be like little children? Children tend to have an eagerness to learn new things, a curiosity about how the world and the things in it work a vivid imagination. I think any of those things are good traits that we adults could use a little bit more of. Children tend to have a stronger trust and faith that goodness and peace will prevail. When they hear the stories, they just assume that the good guys are going to win. And maybe, maybe we need a little bit of that too as adults. I think to become more like little children, we simply need to question some of that cynicism and skepticism that we've learned over the years. Uh, One of my favorite writers, theologian David Bentley Hart, probably the smartest writer I've ever read, um, has this article um, that I read of him where he's talking about kind of like what is rational to believe in in a world that tells you to only believe what you can see with your eyes. And he has this quote where he says, what if there are fairies at the bottom of your garden? Or more precisely, What's so irrational in believing that there, that there might be? 
What if kids don't just imagine better than adults? What if they actually know some stuff that we've forgotten? What if they know something to be true? What if they know that there are angels and miracle babies that bring hope into the world and that the season of Christmas truly is magical? What if they know that good will triumph over evil, that light will triumph over darkness, no matter how dark it looks in the moment? Because that's the truth of the magical season, that the light shines in the darkness, and that no matter how dark it may seem, the light is shining, that no matter how dark it may seem in the moment, the light is winning. And my prayer for each of us grown-ups who sometimes struggle with that and forget that in the midst of our cynicism is that we would have eyes to see the light that is shining. May we have our eyes opened once again to see that the light is winning. But it's not just to see it. May we also be moved to let our own light shine in the darkness. There's this quote I found by the author Neil Gaiman. He says, fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be defeated. The Christmas story is true, not just because it tells us that the light shines in the darkness, but it tells us that we too can join in overcoming the darkness by letting our own lights shine. And again, just as there's something deep inside of us that loves these stories, there's something deep inside of us that, that doesn't, doesn't just want to observe the stories and be a passive person, but if we're honest, like when we were kids, we want to be Luke Skywalker flying against the Death Star. We want to be Spider-Man or Ray or whoever your flavor is. We want to be part of the story. And I think we can end with that. End by remembering that the magical story of Christmas is that we too have a part to play in pushing back the darkness. But within that, the magical story of Christmas is not that we need to be some super powerful superhero, but that line from Isaiah, a little child will lead them. The story of Christmas tells me that it's not only through tremendously huge actions by superheroes that I can't possibly ever do myself, but the magical story of Christmas tells me that it's the small daily actions of individuals like you and me, of kindness, of gentleness, of love, things like that, that can push back the darkness and thaw even the most frozen heart. <laughs>